today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. It's the blessing of the Lord that makes one prosperous and enriches, and He adds no sorrow or trouble to it. There is something to be said about just being content with what God has given you. You know, there are those who strive and toil, and we're going to see that here in a moment, and enough is never enough. Just a little bit more. And that is a miserable place to be, and that is a miserable life. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Ecclesiastes. Do you strive for more and more? As you listen to today's message from Pastor J.D., he teaches you the importance of contentment. When you're striving after more, enough will never be enough. You'll be dissatisfied because you're trying to fill something only God can. Find your contentment in the Lord. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. All right, verse 1, Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Now, please keep in mind, very important that you understand, otherwise you're not going to understand, you're going to misunderstand. And this could really mess you up, for lack of a better way of saying it, if you don't keep in mind that Solomon is doing everything he can to try and reconcile this life under the sun, S-U-N, without God. He has removed God from the equation. And it's not working out too well, as we've seen uh, heretofore in the first three chapters. In fact, last week in chapter 3, we we saw Solomon, we're going to see it again here now, where he's kind of going back and forth. You know, he, he uh, kind of has this returning back to the very God that he's trying to remove. And he has this, this moment of sort of returning to the Lord. And then when he does, that's the only way he can make any sense of any of this. And it's really a thing of living life under the sun, S-U-N, as opposed to living life under the sun, S-O-N. And that's the conclusion he's going to come to. Now as we start off in verse 1, for those of you that read ahead to stay ahead, you already know (laughs) it starts off pretty rough. It's a rough start. Uh, He says, then, verse 1, I returned and considered all the oppression that is done under the sun. And look, the tears of the oppressed, but they have no comforter. On the side of their oppressors, there is power. They seem so powerful, and the oppressed so powerless, but they have no comforter. So what was it, what's his response? What, what does he say after he returns to this and considers this and ponders this? 
This is what he says about it, verse 2. Therefore I praised the dead who were already dead more than the living who are still alive. You've heard of the walking dead? Those who were alive outwardly but dead inside? That's what he's referring to here. Yet, verse 3, and it gets worse, (laughs) better than both is he who has never existed. In other words, it would have been better if they were never born. And here's why. Because who has not seen the evil work that is done under the sun? It would have been better that they were never born at all than to be born and have to witness such despair, such oppression, with no comforter, no mediator. He's alluded to that already. You know, (laughs) what a dark first three verses, would you agree? Well, that's the problem, isn't it? The problem in the first place is he's considering this outside of the very God who is the Comforter, the Holy Spirit as the Comforter. And when you remove God from the equation, are you surprised that this will be your conclusion? You know, it's kind of interesting that he would say that. Job said this. He said it would have been better if I were never born. When he was at the end, I mean, the bottom, the rock bottom of the rock bottom. That was it. He was in such despair and hopelessness. In fact, the way he said it was basically like this. Why does God withhold from me the thing that I desire the most, that my life would end? I mean, you got to be pretty low (laughs) to come to that point. To have it be better that you were never born in the first place? You know, the only one in Scripture that it was said it would have been better that they were never born in the first place was Judas. And you know who said it? Jesus. It would have been better that he was never born in the first place. Now verse 4, he's going to turn a corner. And he says again, I saw that for all toil and every skillful work, a man is envied by his neighbor. This also is vanity and grasping for the wind. In other words, here I'm, I'm working hard and make no mistake about it, righteous or unrighteous, all hard work leads to profit. It's just the way it is. I mean, if you are a hard worker, you will gain. You will make money. And that's what's happening here. But there's a problem here. Because here's this man who is skillful. He has a skill set. And he toils. He works. For what? He amasses all this wealth. Pulls up in his driveway with his brand new Mercedes Benz. And there's his neighbor. Oh, I'm so happy for you. Oh, I'm rejoicing with you as I pull up in my 1972 Chevy Vega. 
Well, I was going to say Ford Pinto. What was the other one? AMC Pacer? Remember that one? Oh my, I'm having flashbacks. I better be careful here. No, your neighbor's not happy for you. He's envious of you. He's coveting what you have. In fact, he's angry with you. Not fair. And what does he do? (laughs) Well, verse 5, Solomon tells us, the fool folds his hands and consumes his own flesh. In other words, he, he does so to his own peril. Hey, that's not fair that he has that and I don't. Well, dude, you're lazy. Get to work. Roll up your arm sleeves and work and earn a living. Don't cover what somebody else has. Verse 6, he goes on, better a handful with quietness than both hands full together with toil and grasping for the wind. I don't know if you notice this or not, but Solomon it has addressed three main issues in our lives. He's talking about fairness, hard work, laziness, and then contentment. And he's basically saying, you know, it would be better to, (laughs) this is a great image, a great picture in your mind's eye. Paint this on the canvas of your God-given imagination, a handful of quietness. I'll, I'll take that. Man, there's some times in my life where I just got to turn the volume down. It is so loud. It is so busy. It is so crazy. I, you know, you know. I was uh, thinking about this this last week. You know, as you as you get older, the very things that you were grounded for are the very things that, as you get older, you long for. You know, go to bed early. Can I? You just have to sit and be still and be quiet. Really? You promise? Interesting how that works. But the point is, is that it would be better to have just this fullness of quietness than to have both hands full with striving and toiling. And as one said, very aptly, very apropos, If you strive to gain, you will have to strive to maintain. As we saw in the Proverbs, it's either 10.22 or 22.10. I get them backwards. But it basically says this, that it's the blessing of the Lord that makes one prosperous and enriches, and He adds no sorrow or trouble to it. There is something to be said about just being content with what God has given you. You know, there are those who strive and toil, and we're going to see that here in a moment, and enough is never enough. Just a little bit more. And that is a miserable place to be, and that is a miserable life to live. Well, getting ahead of myself. He says, verse 7, Then I returned, again, he's going back and forth, And I saw vanity under the sun. There is one alone, verse 8, without companion. He has neither son nor brother. Yet there is no end to all his labors, nor 
is his eye satisfied with riches? But he never asks, for whom do I toil and deprive myself of good? This also is vanity and a grave misfortune. What is he saying? He's saying, you know, <laughs> what am I doing this for? I mean, he's, there's a couple things that, a couple of details that were given as to what this man is like. First of all, nothing satiates his hunger, his drive for more. Nothing satisfies his eye. So he gets that which he sets out to get, and he gets it, and he's not satisfied. So he goes out to get more. That's, that's one thing we're told about him. But there's another thing here, very interesting that we're told about him, where he never asks, for whom do I toil? Who am I doing this for? And basically, why am I doing this and depriving myself of good? In other words, this guy is a miser. You know what the word miser comes from, the root? Miser, misery. No, same word. Miserable, miser, misery. I actually knew a guy like this on the mainland many years ago. I worked with this guy. I worked with this guy right here. I know this guy. <laughs> I, I met this guy. I worked with this guy. He had so much money, and it was never enough. And he was a workaholic. He was always the first one there, last one to leave. And he had all this money, he'd make all these investments, and he was never satisfied. And you know what was interesting? He would show up, I mean he would look okay, but he was wearing a sport coat and a tie that was like 25 years old because he would not spend $8. Of course, I don't think you can buy a tie for $8 anymore, can you? But he wouldn't spend whatever on a new tie. He would deprive himself of anything because in his way of thinking, he was going to stockpile as much as he could get. You've heard that expression, get all you can and can all you get. And no matter how much you get and can, <laughs> it's never enough. And you know what was sad? He was one of the most miserable guys I'd ever known. It's kind of interesting, much older than me, actually old enough to be my father. And you know, I, I tried to, you know, be a good witness. It, it was clear that, you know, I was a Christian, and he knew that. And when his wife was diagnosed with cancer, guess whose office he was in asking for prayer? And it was kind of interesting because at that time, I thought to myself, and I knew he knew it, he was a smart guy, hard worker, oh my goodness, hard worker. But it was at that time that I think he realized that all the money he had amassed was for nothing. What good is it going to do? And this is what Solomon is saying here. What am I doing this for? And then who am I going to leave this to? We saw this a couple weeks ago. I'm amassing all this wealth and <laughs> I'm going to leave it to the heir that's going to inherit all of my wealth and it's going to mess them up and they're going to mess it up and they're going to they're going to blow it they won't be able to handle it and sure enough that's exactly what happened cuz Solomon had a son by the name of Rehabon 
you, you need look no further than to the Scripture to see what happened with the son of Solomon. It was tragic. And, the, and by the way, the nation of Israel was never the same again after that. So the conclusion is, again, why am I doing this? What am I doing this for? Why am I depriving myself of good? Why do I work first thing in the morning all day to the end of the day? For what? What's the point? And then verse, are you depressed? No? You don't, doing okay? All right. Well, it gets better. Well, <laughs> there's some redemption here. Verse 9, two are better than one. Why? Because they have a good reward for their labor. Verse 10, for if they fall, one will lift up his companion, but woe to him who is alone when he falls, for he has no one to help him up. Again, verse 11, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one be warm alone? Interesting. You know what this speaks to? I think you do. It speaks to the importance of relationships. You know, as um, I don't want to go off on this. I mean, I certainly can. But you know this whole social distancing thing? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Never mind, let's just move on to verse 12. <laughs> I guess you do know about the whole social distancing. Listen, I, you'll forgive me for the, the strength <laughs> in which I say this, but it is anti-Christ. What do you mean? That's pretty strong. Well, it needs to be. Here's what I mean by that. It, it goes against everything that we were created to be the companionship, the fellowship, the relationship. You know, there's a physiological explanation behind it too. Oh, by the way, did you know, this, this is going to, well, I'll just say it. Do you know that when you don't have social interaction, forget about physical touch, just social interaction, it, it, it actually changes the structure of your brain. It damages the brain. It explains a lot, right? I mean, but it, 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 it causes brain damage because we were never meant to be alone. <laughs> when God created Adam, He said, it is not good for man to be alone. Listen, whenever I'm away from my wife for two hours, okay, two weeks, <laughs> I mean, it, it is not good. I miss her so much. God made us to be together, to have relationship and fellowship. Acts 2.42, I call it the four legs on the table of a healthy church. You have prayer, you have the apostles' doctrine, that's the Word of God. You have the breaking of bread, that's communion, and the love feasts, as they would refer to them. And then you have fellowship. We were talking about this on Sunday, the uh, verse in Hebrews. It's a, a very talked about verse nowadays with the whole, you can't sing in church, you can't breathe in church, you can't... Is that bad? That was bad. But it's in Hebrews where we're told not to forsake the assembling 
of ourselves together, as is the custom of some. Key word, very important, don't miss this, assembling. And the best illustration I ever heard was that of a watch. You can have all the parts of the watch together, gathered. We're not gathering, that's just a gathering. No, we're assembled. That's a game changer, right? Because if I have all the parts of the watch sitting up here on this pulpit, I just have them gathered. No, they're not functioning. There's no operation. There's nothing happening. They need to be assembled, all of the parts, in order to have something that functions. That's what the body of Christ is. And that's the way we were made. You know when you hold hands together, or you give somebody a hug, there is this chemical called oxytocin. I I think that's the name of it. I'm probably mispronouncing it. Not oxycontin. That's a whole different... (laughs) I think it's oxytocin. It's It's kind of along the lines of an endorphin or dopamine or serotonin, you know, those feel-good chemicals. And these are God-given, and when they're released in the body, it, it just has this sense of, it's very healthy. It's healthy physically, it's healthy emotionally, it's healthy mentally, and it's healthy spiritually. And so when you say, hey, you can't, you know, you have to stay six feet away from each other. Can I read you something? I might, my son texted it to me from... He's back in college now, and I just got, I'm going to maybe, Lord willing, be talking about this and, uh, on Sunday. Lord willing, highlight, underscore, bold. So it goes like this. <laughs> this, this is good. Okay, it's actually a meme. So, if the masks work, why the six feet? If the six feet works, why the masks? If both work, why the lockdown? (laughs) If all three work, why the vaccine? If the vaccine is safe, why no liability clause? You know what this is all about? It's about silencing the church of Jesus Christ and isolating and separating the Christians. Because when we assemble together and function as the body of Christ, as it was intended to be. People are going out of their minds. You know that, right? People are going out of their minds, literally, because of all of this. The isolation. You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. One of the biggest lessons we learn from Ecclesiastes is this. You can have everything the world has to offer. The money, the most desirable job, the perfect family. But at the end of the day, none of those things truly matter. The only lasting thing that matters is who you put your hope in. All the riches in the world will never bring you the happiness you seek. Only Jesus can give you that. So seek Him. Maybe today you're hearing about Jesus for the first time. If that's the case, we have a resource we'd like to point you to. Visit InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com and click on the ABCs of Salvation. 
This will give you the basics of what it means to be a Christian and why it's so important to give your life to Jesus. If you have any questions, please connect with us by clicking on Contact under About. Or come visit us this weekend at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. All the information you need is at InSpiritAndTruthRadio.com. You can hear more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings from many books of the Bible at our website, too. Or download our mobile app to listen wherever you are, whenever you want. We'd also like to invite you to check out Pastor J.D.'s weekend update, the Mid-East Prophecy Update. In these updates, Pastor J.D. takes a look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them to the prophecies of the Bible. You'll find these updates on our mobile app as well as on our website. Again, that's in spiritandtruthradio.com. That's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us for In Spirit and Truth.